Hey guys, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to Unnatural. It's going to be a great one today, Emily. So I'm not even sure. What are we talking about? I'm so excited. Yeah, I don't even know if I mentioned this to you at all, but... uh, I don't remember either. It was like a week ago. (laughs) I know. A lot can happen in a week, right? Yeah. This one's actually going to be kind of a tough one. So usually I like to try and break the ice a little bit, maybe a fun fact or two, but this guy is possibly the most horrifying madman I've ever researched. It's... It's it's pretty I mean it's up there with some of the worst serial killers of all time. He definitely hasn't gotten the coverage that I think that he should have gotten. His name is Pedro Lopez and he's kind of often referred to as the monster of the Andes in South America. It's believed that he killed at least 300 girls. Yeah across the South American countries of Colombia, Ecuador, as well as Peru. Now, the killing stopped in 1980. That's when he was apprehended by Ecuadorian authorities. He was then imprisoned, released, re-imprisoned, re-released. What? And now his whereabouts are currently unknown, if you can believe that. Oh, good. That's nice. Right. And again... (laughs) Over 300 girls have been killed, and this guy could possibly be still out there. There's a few theories as to what may have happened to him, and we're going to get into that a little bit later today. But this is the story of the monster of the Andes. Colombia in 1948. Now, back then, that was actually civil war in that country, so you can kind of imagine that it was a pretty violent place for a child Yeah. at that time. We're in Peru, right? No, this is Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. Columbia. He starts out okay. in Colombia, and his mother is actually a prostitute. He's the seventh of 13 children by her. So obviously he never grew up knowing who his dad was. So not the greatest parental experience right out of the gate. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, it's just a hell of a way to grow up. And he, he only lived with her until he was eight years old. That's when she caught him actually having some sort of sexual relations with his younger sister. So at that point, She's got 13 kids. She decides to kick him out onto the streets, and she told him never to return. As she should. Incest is not best, kids. But at the age of eight years old, this kid is on his own. So he's on the streets of Bogota, which is the largest city in Colombia. And get this. It has a crime rate that is 50% higher than anywhere else on the whole planet. And he's eight years old, just running around by himself Yeah, in one of the most crime-riddled cities in the world. Yeah, an eight-year-old boy all by himself trying to figure it out, just trying to feed himself at that point. 
And that's where he ran into an older man right out of the gate. The guy saw that he was all alone, saw that he was in peril, and offered him to feed him, to, you know, give him shelter until he could find a home. Great news, right? In exchange for what, though? Well, sadly, that's what was about to happen. The man actually sexually assaulted Pedro a number of times in an abandoned Mm. building, and he left him there. What? So, yeah, he's living on the streets at this time. He's fending for himself, and now he's even more wary of strangers than he ever would have been before. Yeah, Trying to find whatever scraps of food that he can find from local restaurants, garbage cans. I mean, he was really living in the streets and sleeping in abandoned buildings and just trying to stay away from people. Luckily for him, an American couple that was at that time living in Colombia, they happened to see him. They saw the rough shape he was in and they actually offered for him to come live with them and attend a local school. Mm -hmm. So his life started to turn around a little bit and it was working well for a number of years. And an observer might think that, you know, this kid's got a shot to have somewhat of a normal childhood at this point, whatever that might be after all he's already been through. But alas, but alas, when he was 12 years old, he was again sexually assaulted. This time it was by one of his male teachers, a teacher. Yeah. Gross. And so apparently he stole some things from the school. And this is when things kind of turned down a really dark road for Pedro Lopez. So he steals some things from school. He decides to run away from home immediately. And then he learns to survive on the streets again at the age of 12. Once he got into his teenage years, he kind of became an expert car thief. Oh. He started to steal parts from cars, sell them, steal cars themselves, and actually became known as one of the best car thieves in the city. Wow. And he's 12. And and for a kid that doesn't have any other skills, you know, it's not like he's gone to school much. I mean, this is all he knows. Yeah, what so a title is, to hold. This is what he's good at. This is what he knows to do. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he was busted by local police and sentenced to seven years in prison. This was around the time that he was 18 years old. And this is kind of where Pedro Lopez would transform into the monster of the Andes. So he had only been in prison for a few days when he was brutally assaulted and raped by four other inmates. So not a great start to your prison sentence, right? Well, now that prison is, I wouldn't, I've never been to prison, but I wouldn't imagine it's enjoyable without being sexually assaulted by four people. (laughs) Especially in one of the most crime-ridden countries on earth. You know, I I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of justice there. So over the next few weeks, he took justice into his own hands. He actually plotted revenge on the guys that had assaulted him. He made a knife from apparently some sort of equipment that he found in the prison. And, well, he bided his time. And when each inmate was alone, then he attacked and killed each of them individually. Wow. He killed all four of them? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like one of those revenge movies that you watch or something. Yeah. So, yeah, eventually he killed all of his previous assailants 
And while the authorities were able to kind of pr- quickly identify that Pedro was the killer of each of the guys, they mm-hmm. they deemed that it was self-defense and he was given a slightly longer sentence added on to his original seven years. Remember, this is a third world country here, so things are done differently there. Yeah. So you can like revenge kill and get away with self-defense. That's interesting. I don't think that would work here in America. You know, I, I'm not sure if that's the way it is there now. Remember, this is 1970 or right. so in Colombia, so maybe things have changed a little bit since then. But back then, that's the way it was done. And once he was out of jail in the late 1970s, he actually decided to get out of Dodge. He decided to head for the country of Peru, which is where it's believed. He's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah. And (laughs) it makes you wonder if some of this may have been premeditated. Maybe he saw something while he was in prison that led him towards Peru once he got out of there because Peru was where he was going to claim the lives of many of his first young female victims. It's interesting, if you know anything about the country of Peru, you might know that a number of other South American countries, they have native tribes that live relatively isolated from the population as a whole. Have you ever seen those videos where all of a sudden it shows up on the news that this native tribe has been discovered, but nobody's allowed to contact them? Yeah, I guess I've seen stuff like that, but I don't... I always... It's just kind of... It's crazy that in this day and age, there's still tribes that are that isolated from the rest of mankind. Yeah, I thought that was more in, like, the the Congo of Africa or... No, yeah. There's many tribes in South America, Brazil especially, Peru is another one of those countries that has tribes like that, which they actually protect in their constitution. And are they cannibals? Maybe. I don't know. That, that's the thing. <laughs> that's, these, that's what I worry about. That's what I think about when like you talk, you know, that movie, what was that movie? The green inferno. Did you ever see that? No, but I want to. Oh my God. It was so disturbing. But anytime I think of like tribes that are not, involved in the rest of the world are they're all cannibals and you want to stay the heck away well and the the big reason why we should stay away from these tribes is because they don't have the immunities built up like we do to the diseases that we have so once people come and contact them just like what happened with europeans and the native americans uh when we came over to north america you know the main reason they were wiped out were because of the european diseases That's kind of the worry with a lot of these tribes. Now, I don't think that he was following some of those extremely isolated tribes that have barely been seen by other humans. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just outside of the Andes Mountains. You're near the Amazon River. It's the rainforest. So there's lots of secluded communities, especially back in the late 70s. Remember, this is almost 50 years ago. Yeah. Now, there's rumors that Because of the way his mom treated him as a child, Pedro wanted to seek revenge on innocent young girls who were kind of around the age he was Mm -hmm. when his life took a turn for the worse. And based on some of the studying you and I have done in previous serial killers, mommy issues, all of them, mommy, daddy issues, (laughs) 
I mean, it seems that's that's the case. Now, just because you have a bad mom or a bad dad, does that mean that you're going to become a serial killer? No, but most serial killers do have bad moms and bad dads. Right. That's usually the way it goes. He traveled through a large section of Peru in the late 70s. He kind of carefully stalked his victims. And usually it was young girls between the ages of 9 and 12. He would grab them when they were isolated, take them to a secure location, and he would wait for the sun to rise before raping and murdering them. Why would he wait for the sun to rise? Exactly. You'd think stuff like that would happen in the middle, like in darkness. Right. I don't know the statistics. It'd be interesting to look this up. I don't know how you could find it out, but I'm guessing the large majority of murders and rapes take place in the dark, right? Yeah. And his was the opposite. So this is kind of where it gets even more disturbing. Here's why he did it. He revealed later that he wanted to see it in their eyes. Oh. He wanted... No. Yeah. And the, the, I don't like that This is all. why this guy is just up there with some of the worst that I've ever looked into. Hold on. Pause the recording. I have to go throw up really <laughs> Right? <laughs> right? So he wanted to see it in his in the girl's eyes. The moment the little girl's life was slipping away, that's what kind of gave him his climax. And that's what brought him the most pleasure. That is so isn't it weird and uncomfortable. It's it's almost it's almost indescribable. Yeah. That a human being can be capable of something like that. But that's the process he basically repeated with hundreds and hundreds of girls in Peru alone throughout the next few years. Well, I mean, you know, people who have killed by, you know, manual strangulation or like, you know, like any type of killing, I guess, really, you know, you hear that, that like they want, like they, they want to see the life leave their eyes. But I feel like there's something just right much more sinister about it being a child yeah in the daylight yeah yeah and wait till you get to the quotes that he has because they he actually gave an interview one interview i'd rather not i don't want to hear it coming up and it's a rough (laughs) one but eventually he was actually trigger warning yeah it is a trigger warning but eventually he was caught by a peruvian tribe one of the native tribes caught him as he was attempting to kidnap one of these young girls So get this, the tribe held him and tortured him. And as they should, they then decided that he was too much of a threat to their tribe and others to be set free. So they gave him quite possibly the worst sentence a human being can get. What was their verdict? Well, they said, let's bury this son of a bitch alive. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. 
And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. And you want to know what else? You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is really cool. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So they're about to bury this man alive when an American missionary actually intervenes. No. Yeah. Just in the nick of time. Bury to the convince fucker. them. I know. That's what I would be saying. But <laughs> like, for some reason. No, no, no. Listen, Linda. Listen, <laughs> Linda. You don't understand. Okay. <laughs> this fucking guy. They convince them that it's best to turn Pedro over to the local authorities. So once again, he escapes death. No, I am 100% in support of Peruvian tribe justice. Especially in that sense. I mean, what a way to go, right? Yeah. But the Peruvian authorities didn't waste much time. They didn't want to deal with it. So they decided that Pedro wasn't really their problem. (gasps) So they deported him to Ecuador, which I don't get because he was originally from Colombia. Yeah, that's Um, weird. So he goes to Ecuador where he would kind of continue this malicious killing spree. So he was on his rampage for a while, basically really being unnoticed, kind of going under the radar when a flash flood hit the area in which he was committing his crimes. Uh Uh-oh. Now, you wouldn't think that that would have anything to do with his crimes, but actually the flood exposed a number of his victims who were unearthed from shallow graves that he had thrown them in. Some of them three or four per grave. Ugh. So And they're all young girls, right? All, all between the ages of nine and twelve. Ugh. And local authorities didn't exactly know what was going on, because remember, this is an entirely different country. Yeah. But they knew enough to realize that foul play had to be involved here. Yeah. So I should hope so. A few days later, Pedro was out to find his next victim at a local market. But again, he was caught. And this time it was by the local townspeople of Ecuador. And the townspeople kept him held until local police arrived Then upon questioning, however, they were really getting nowhere with him and they didn't have a whole lot on him, even though the Ecuadorian authorities likely suspected that Pedro was probably the killer of these girls that were unearthed from these graves. Yeah. Well, and it's not like you had DNA or anything like that back then either. No, this is still the late 70s, early 80s. He wasn't talking, so they decided to improvise with torture. No, not with torture or burying alive or anything like that. But no waterboarding for Pedro. Not, not that I know <laughs> of, but here's here's what they did. So a local pastor who was also 
kind of a part-time investigator. Interesting. Was right. Yeah, that's an interesting mashup of uh, professions there. But he, they decided to dress him up as an inmate, and they threw him into the jail cell with Pedro Lopez, just like one of those movies or something you see. And the two got to talking. Like 60 days in. Exactly. So they got to talking to each other, and eventually the pastor earned Pedro's trust. So much so that he basically told him everything that he had done up until that point. Like everything. Wow. And according to a later article written by Ron Leitner, who was a correspondent for the National Examiner, this is what the pastor said. Quote, For 27 days... I hardly slept, afraid I'd be strangled in my sleep. But I tricked Lopez into confessing by pretending I was a rapist, too. He boasted to me of murder after murder in Ecuador, Colombia, and Peru. It was beyond my wildest nightmares. He told me everything. Wow. Imagine pretending like... Oh, yeah, I'm a rapist. Like, listen to this story. And then you have Pedro over here like, <laughs> hold my beer. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, credit to the pastor because he must have really tricked him into thinking that he was, you know, the same kind of ilk as him. Yeah, which is why he's a pastor. I know. I know. Just genius on his part. But at this point, once authorities let Pedro know that pastor was on their side. Yeah. That's when Pedro knew that he was finished. You know, the buck stopped there. So not only did the did he tell the authorities everything they had hoped for, but he also boasted of hundreds of other missing girls that he had killed in Ecuador, Peru, along with Colombia. And he actually even took police to many of the sites oh, wow. where the victims were buried. Yeah, so that was going to say, I mean, you know, there's people that you know, take credit for crimes that they didn't commit. So I was like, you know, like, were, were all of these people actually able to be confirmed, mm -hmm. like traced back to him, like missing girls and stuff? Many, many of them were, but th there's still so many. I mean, if you look into the research on this, I mean, this guy, he confessed to over 300 murders, mm -hmm. but most experts in the area think that it was over four, maybe even 500 Wow. Girls. And all of them that were he killed. just so young. And my, my guess is because it's third world countries and yeah. the law enforcement just didn't have as much of a presence to apprehend folks as they would in a, you know, a first world country that we're used to seeing. So he was able to get away with it. Yeah. A little bit more. But in fact, he in late 1980, he was convicted of dozens of counts of murder, and he was subsequently sentenced to life in prison. However, the murderer of the Andes would not spend the rest of his life behind bars. So in his one and only interview that he ever did, he said some things that will make the hair on your arms stand up. They've already been done that. I know. And it gets even worse here. I'm just, I'm just giving you the trigger warning. It was the mid-1990s, and Pedro was soon to be released from prison in Ecuador for good behavior. What? 
good behavior. He does not have good behavior. Yeah. Again, different country, different rules, but apparently... Well, probably in- he was at his best behavior because there was no 9, 12, nine to 12-year-old 12 girls hanging out in prison with him. That would be my guess, but apparently in Ecuador, if you have good behavior for 16 years, even if you have a life sentence, you can be released from prison, at least at this time. Wow. Makes no That's sense nuts. to me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely I mean- nuts. I know even like today, you know, other other countries are more into like the reform right. versus punishment, but there's some people that deserve they don't you need to kill them. Well, um, and hang it- them by their toenails, give them paper cuts, <laughs> sprinkle lemon juice on it. That'd be a whole hell of a lot of paper cuts, that's for sure that he would deserve. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I think it just goes goes to show what the justice system is like in some of these countries that just aren't apt to deal with people like this. Yeah. They're not used to having to deal with people like this, so they don't have any plans in place here. And again, apparently in Ecuador, you can just be released for good behavior, even if you've admitted to killing hundreds and hundreds of girls. That just goes to show how much they cared Obviously, they didn't care that much. Okay, I just had to look up a picture. Sorry, side note. I had to look up a picture of this guy. And he's like, in this one picture, he's just like the most herp-derp looking dude. Yeah, unassuming. Yeah, like this is yeah. this is him, right? That's him. I hate that. That's him. He's just like, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And who knows? He could still be around today. I don't like that at all. So... He gave that interview that I previously mentioned, Ron Leitner from the National Examiner. And here's what he said to Ron Leitner. Here's some of what he said. He said, quote, I am the man of the century. No one will ever forget me. The moment of death is enthralling and exciting. Only those who actually kill know what I mean. I walked among the markets searching for a girl with a certain look on her face, a look of innocence and beauty. She would be a good girl, always working with her mother. I followed them, sometimes for two or three days, waiting for the moment when she was left alone. No. That's some of the creepiest shit that I've ever heard from a serial no. killer. I don't like that. It's, and I don't like it that. really, I mean, in a certain sense, I'm like, wow, I can't believe the honesty that he's displaying here because how much, how often do you have to kind of decipher through what these killers are saying to know what they're really saying? Yeah. And he's given it to you all out there, right out, out there in the open, you know? Yeah. I guess I would think that he would not be looking for that because if you, like, if you're looking for a child that's, being a, I don't want to say a good look, the say, like the good girl just makes my skin crawl. But, you know, if she's helping her mom, yeah. obviously if she goes missing, someone's going to notice. So I guess I would have assumed that he was looking for kids that maybe more looked like him when he was that age, you know, alone. They didn't have anybody. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, the, and, and again, the only thing that I can 
think is that it's just it's a different culture. Yeah, it's it's a completely different way of life. The world is different there. And his potential for victims is just different than what you would see in a country like ours. But upon his release from prison in Ecuador, he was immediately deported to Colombia, where he had about an hour of freedom, apparently. And then he was again apprehended by local authorities. In Colombia, they found him to be legally insane. And I would say so. (laughs) Obviously. They shipped him to a psychiatric hospital in Bogota. And I can't figure it out. I tried to do some research on this, but by some weird circumstance, he was actually declared sane. How? And it was just a few years later. And he was actually released from custody in the late 1990s for a bail of $50. $50. But I suppose with currency conversions, that's probably a lot. And there are some rumors. I couldn't substantiate this, but there are some rumors that he actually sought out his mother once again after he was released Mm. and asked for inheritance money from her. And were they at all? They weren't at all well off. She was a sex worker. Right. Right. And he hadn't seen her since he was eight years old. Yeah. Apparently old now. Yeah. At this point, he is in his 40s almost. So he sought her out. She said she didn't have any money. He took off again. And this is when the International Criminal Police Organization, otherwise known as Interpol. I think you've probably heard of them before. Mm -hmm. They're all around the world. Well, they actually convinced the Colombian government to place another warrant for Pedro's arrest back in 2002, namely because he fit the bill of a recent murderer. But to date, he is still yet to be found. Oh, that's nuts. That was 19 years ago. I don't like that. Now, here's the theories. Some people say he died in the jungle. I mean, there's jungle all over the place. There's perilous things that are left and right. Who knows how one can die? There's cartels everywhere. I mean, the, the, the chance of dying is just higher in a place like that. Yeah. Other, other people actually insist that he's still out there committing murders and rapes, and they point to certain cases and say, is this him? Like in still in South America? Yeah, in these countries, in Ecuador, Peru, or Colombia. But remember, he'd be in his mid-70s by now. Now, that's not impossible, but remember, I mean, he'd be an elderly person at this point. Yeah. Most people say the most likely scenario is that one of the hundreds of victims, because remember, upwards of 400 people maybe have died from this guy. Yeah. One of their family members enacted revenge and killed Pedro themselves. I would fully support that. I generally but, don't support murder, but in that yeah. in this instance, I think I would stand a family member killing him. Well, when you've killed half a thousand people, I mean Yeah. Oh it's god, just, that's nuts when you put it that way. I mean yeah. you say four or five hundred, that's a lot, but when you say half a thousand Yeah. And that and that's why at the beginning of this pod, when I brought up the fact that people don't talk about this guy enough because you had never heard of this guy. And until recently, I had never heard of this guy. And yet he might be the 
most sadistic, you know, highest body count serial killer that we've ever seen in history. Yeah. And we've barely ever heard of him because he's from a third world country. Right. It just doesn't seem right. And I like he, to think one of those tribes got a hold of him and buried him alive. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe they finally found maybe he went back to Peru. They found him again and finished the whole bury bury him alive thing. They were like, "Okay, look, there's no American missionaries around. We got the hole <laughs> over by over by the poop tree. Put him in." Thanks a lot, America. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. And obviously, let's let's take a step back. Obviously, that person was just trying to do the right thing. Right. But and they didn't know who this guy was or what but, he would continue to do. Because in <clears throat> hindsight, obviously, you might make different decisions. Yeah. But hindsight is always 2020. It certainly is. But as of 2021, when this podcast was created, we still don't know what the fate of Pedro Lopez, the murderer of the Andes Mountains is sadly i don't like that at all so i know yeah (laughs) not the greatest ending right no i it's a cliffhanger i don't like cliffhangers i don't like i don't like well you know what that means have you ever seen those episodes of unsolved mysteries where they do updates later on yeah we'll have to do an update that's this would be a good update let's confirm that he's dead Maybe we should head on down to Bogota. Uh, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't fit his victim profile at all. But well, let's see. Like, let's say we're traveling through the mountains or the rainforest. What would you be most scared of? Like animal wise, there's llamas. <laughs> um, I'm not scared of llamas. There's jaguars. What, what, what about? Uh, Jaguars, yeah, those things can be vicious. I mean, they're like 400, 500 pounds. They're stealthy as fuck. Pythons? No, I'm not scared of pythons. They're not venomous. Anacondas? Yeah, no, maybe. Thus concludes the Monster of the Andes podcast, Pedro Lopez. We hope you enjoyed it. Emily, what do we have next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about the disappearance of a little girl named Cherry, um, who disappeared at the age of eight in 1985 in Pennsylvania. Looking forward to it. What do we got on socials? So for socials, you can find us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod. We are on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. Uh, We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us an email, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. And also consider signing up for our Patreon page. Over there, you will get early access to ad-free episodes, some bonus content, and more. And if you don't like the tiers, you do have the option to pledge any amount you'd like. We do research and produce this podcast all by ourselves so any contribution helps us offset the cost of making this uh, podcast that we send out to your earphones every week so we'd really appreciate it and we are currently working on some merch and stickers and once we get a certain amount of patrons we will be launching a merch store and doing a giveaway so you can find us there patreon.com slash unnatural the pod so for anybody that's listening It's probably not a surprise, but Emily takes care of 99.9999% of 
anything we do social media wise. However, yeah, you have the passwords. That's about it. No, well, well, what I'm going to say is I've been begging for a number of weeks for us to get a MySpace page. Where where are we with that right um, now? I, I haven't heard back from Tom yet. He's avoiding my emails. So we'll put a, put a pin in that. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you next week. See ya. I gotta say, the one movie from the 90s, like special effects wise, that still holds up. Flubber. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs>